This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me get to the panel, though, because I said we have got a long list of things we've got to get to today. Uh, it has been a busy week, and, and I think more than likely the weekend is going to be uh, very mm-hmm. news-filled uh, for all the wrong reasons, quite frankly. But um, ladies first tonight, um, to my right, to your left on your radio dial, I suppose, <laughs> uh, she is a, a former winner of the Woman of Distinction in the city of Hamilton. She is a former municipal council candidate. She is now on the Hamilton Port Authority, and she is the co-host slash expert municipal commentator <laughs> on City Matters on Cable 14, mm. Sandy Shaw. Thanks for coming in again. It's great. Always great to be here. And next to her, uh, a guy who I, I, I'm pretty sure, I know he was here once before. I was, Scott, uh, I can't remember if it was sure. more than once, but definitely once before. Uh, he is one of, mm, let me rephrase that, he is the best writer at the Hamilton Spectator. Oh, stop it. Stop it. I'll tell that story in just a second. Uh, he had a great piece in either yesterday or today about going back to school, today. which was today, which was fantastic. Uh, Jeff Mahoney, thank for you, coming in. Scott. I would uh, say that I might not even be the best writer at the table here. You have some chops, my friend. Well, Sandy, I will tell you this story, and people can listen in. Um, <laughs> You're not going to I am no. many years ago <laughs> when I was a summer student. This is absolutely true. When I was a summer student at The Spectator, Jeff was the guy whose writing I tried to learn from right. because it was the best it was the he turned a phrase better than anybody that i'd ever read and so i still quote to him this day he wrote a music review about a band and referred to it as music to rev your chainsaw to (laughs) and that line has always stuck with me and i thought see that's what i'm striving for to hit lines like that one so i'm a fan too and some of his pieces i have one that i clipped out uh it made me weep the first time i read it i clipped it out of the of the paper and it's a Christmas related and honestly every Christmas it's in my ornament box and I read that story so yes I'm a huge fan so you don't don't blush so so they're reading their scripts very well I yeah. pay them a lot of money to say these things thank you both that's very so gratifying. there's no pressure on you now to actually be witty and <laughs> yeah, intelligent exactly, that's right. <laughs> everyone listening is going wow he must be great I'm not going to turn the channel now it's the nice thing about writing you have time to correct <laughs> and and uh, build up a self yeah. And make yourself sound smarter than you really yeah. are. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll make this a three-hour show, but okay. the third hour will be several hours later. We'll go back and pe- put the pieces together <laughs> and redo some stuff. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, let's get at this because, the I mean, unquestionably, it's not even a discussion right now. The story of the week uh, has been, I mean, we just got off Hurricane Harvey down in the mm. Houston area, and now we have Hurricane Irma that is coming in. And it looks like it's going to be terrible. It looks like it's going to be horrifying. It looks like... Florida is going to take a pounding, and as of the last thing we're getting, Key West may, you know, not to overstate it or be flippant, that's not the point, but I mean, is going to be wiped out. I mean, it looks like it's horrible what's what's coming. But here's the question, as I'm watching this, as I'm sitting at home, I went home for dinner between work at The Spectator and here, it almost strikes me now that what we've got, especially on TV, because this is a TV kind of thing, is we have hurricane porn. Like it, ju- it's, it <laughs> seems like yeah. it almost strikes me, and and I I don't want to put words in people's mouths, Jeff, but it almost strikes me that some of the commentators are really hoping that this thing is as big as. It sounds. I mean, I was watching CNN earlier, and Wolf Blitzer kept going back to the guy, almost demanding that he say, oh, yeah, this will be a Category 5 by the time it hits. 
I, I don't understand the, uh, and I'm I'm guilty of it too. Well, it's something in the logic of the business. I think you really are uh, unconsciously you're you've internalized this uh, appetite for the big story, and the bigger the better. Everybody wants to be that Dan Rather on the spot when something huge happens. And we've seen when things fizzle out. I mean, it makes for terrible TV. How many it, hurricanes it makes, in recent years? Yeah, Just, they well, miss. And we go, oh, exactly. well, sorry. And it makes for terrible um, news copy. Not terrible news copy. In some ways, it's... it's um, it's encouraging if, if something isn't nearly as bad in terms of the human toll, but these things make great headlines, mm-hmm. and we just it, it is morbid. And and you're right, it's it's sort of akin. It's not the same thing, but it's a cousin to the old neck craning at a, at an accident. And, and the worse, the better. And if you're bending your neck to see what's happening on the QEW on the other side in the other direction, because you see all the ambulances and the fire trucks, and it turns out to be nothing. Uh, I don't know. Isn't that terrible? It feels part of it feels almost disappointing. Yeah, and I would even build on that to say that th- this may be what's contributing to people not evacuating when they should, because they yes. people watch TV and they, yes. s- they there's that build up that you, so they may have been in a, in a place where there was all of that build up and. Then it fizzles out. Five times it's missed us, so six uh, it's going to yeah. miss us again. And they go, oh, I've, we've heard this before. You know, we've heard this before. It's not going to be that bad. So they, when it gets overblown, mm-hmm. it's like crying wolf, right? So wow. when it gets overblown all the time, now people aren't paying attention to it. They, they think that they, they can write it out. But I just have to mention about the hurricane porn. I did see uh, there's a guy. Uh, uh, can't remember his name now. Cuomo win a T-shirt on the beach. That was pretty good. That CNN guy was like, that was an awesome oh, yeah. scene. I yeah, did, what, what did he have? A uh, T-shirt. t-shirt? <laughs> yes. they, they obviously picked their most jacked guy. Did you see him? Yeah. Oh, he <laughs> looked good. And yeah. gave him the smallest T-shirt and yes. said, "Go stand on the beach." <laughs> it's true. With their hair blowing in the wind. So just in case the storm wasn't great, you got yeah. Cuomo with his yeah. muscles, and uh, you know what? It just reminds me uh, the 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 fear of things not panning out it reminds me a lot of my dates you know i i, I pass myself off as hurricane irma and hurricane i'm like Mahoney. i'm a mild breeze and they lose interest are you supposed to undersell and over deliver that's that's Ex- the strategy uh, that's, that you should yes have. i think but i'm safer. looking we've got the tv on right now in the yeah. studio and i gotta mm-hmm. tell you how many times today i have seen that computer image of that red <laughs> pink <laughs> whatever blob just on and Again, I feel like I would like to feel superior right. to the people who are yeah. doing this. It looks like the ultrasound of a baby. It, like, it does. Mm-hmm. You know. It does. But I, I would like to feel superior to say, oh, you know what? I, 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 I'm not really interested in this. And I don't, I can't understand why I'm so interested in this. And everyone else obviously is too. The ratings, I'm sure, are going to be right. huge. This will, maybe on Wednesday or Thursday, we might, or Tuesday, we might get some rain. But that's mm-hmm. the extent of the impact that's going to be on us. And yet we're fascinated up here by this. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out the psychology of why Can it I is. make a suggestion? I don't know if this has any validity. But maybe what we're searching for when these things develop and they seem to be shaping to be something huge, maybe what we're really craving is the sense of pulling together that sometimes happens when when things do turn out to be a true crisis, like a Mm 9-11, and we get the sense that, yes, there are things bigger than our lives, and we can become something 
uh, part of something bigger. I don't know. Is that part of it? Possibly. Um, In the aftermath, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked on the show. I think that there were some scenes from Harvey in Houston that were very inspiring. You know, we talk about how we hear about the stories about how in the States, you know, black people don't like white people and white people don't like black people and nobody gets along. And then you see these images of Mm -hmm. people of different races carrying others to safety and stuff. And so Jeff, to that point, I think you're, I think that's correct, but we're talking even now beforehand and I would argue that there are an awful lot of people and they will never admit it because it would make you the worst person on the face Mm -hmm. of the earth. But there are people hoping in a weird way for entertainment purposes that this thing lives up to its billing. No one wants anyone to die. No No one's, I'm not arguing people are looking for that, but people are kind of going, ooh, this could be, I mean, and again, no one's going to admit that. No. But I think a lot of people in their mind are going, oh, I hope I don't wake up Saturday morning and this was all for nothing, which would be the perfect response or perfect result if this was. It would be. And but it's you said it earlier, Jeff. I mean, we've built this appetite uh, that, that we expect to see this, and we want to see it. So we've created this appetite for this on-the-spot, really uh, graphic, detailed, you know, uh, images that we, we want to see. I mean, I don't know about you, but w- when I'm looking on Twitter or when I'm looking at different news media, if if the story doesn't come with a on-the-site scene video, I'm actually think, oh. wow, I, I maybe I'll, do I just have to read about this? It's do you mean true. there's no video to go with this story? So maybe I'm yeah. not even going to read it. So I think we've, you know, it's sort of self-fulfilling. We, we, mm-hmm. you know, it's out there and we like it. And I think it's subtle how we, how we, ex- our expectations now are that we're going to see these images, you know, but back to what you were saying about people wanting to pull together or I, I think there's something that to that too, which is a sense of perspective. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that, co- you know, when the hurricane's coming, uh, you and you can see people, um, there's something for us to learn. People know what's most important. I mean, mm-hmm. people say we can replace a house, but we can't replace lives. Or, you know, you, you just it gives us some kind of perspective at the end of the day about pure humanity. You see people helping one another, you know, the, those, those pure moments. And I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think we just need to have some sort of perspective that blows away what we every day that we worry about our jobs, we worry about being on time, or we worry about our bills. When we see something like that, there's some potential to connect to what really is the essence and the most important thing in life, right? Mm-hmm. But we do seem to want, though, again, the full arc of the story. Sure. We like the happy ending where people are helping each other and it's all inspiring. But again, I, the, the fact that so many people are watching this and are so glued to their TVs, and I'm not arguing that I'm not in that group, I've, I've been watching it too, is just, I, I, I'm, I'm puzzled by it. This was even more puzzling, though, i got to tell you, because there is a story with photos. One of the pictures, which um, uh, Sandy pointed out, I won't say what it looks like, but it doesn't look like a hurricane, I'll tell you that. (laughs) But there are stores down in Florida selling hurricane-themed cakes, including one. Now, this is in Florida, including one saying, party like it's Category (laughs) 5. And I I suppose that's, you know, sort of funny, funny, but... Is it, it, I mean, I suppose that's gallows humor for them in a sense. I I guess if you're in Florida, you're allowed to do this. If you're in Buffalo or somewhere north, it would be cruel. It's too soon. No, but it would be cruel. cruel. (laughs) But also, so build on that. Why is there no coverage from what's happening in the Dominican, in Haiti, in right. Cuba? I mean, we, I mean, we're, the category five is going to hit, you know, key, you know, key west, and it's going to hit the keys, and it will be a devastating impact. But these are people that 
for the most part, already have a little bit more, and they have more resources to get out of town. They can get fill up their car and gas out and go to a shelter. But we don't see any coverage about people that are stuck in the hills and, you know, in... Well, there has been. No, there has been some. Not not to the same degree. Not to the same degree. Not to the same degree. But that said... uh, in, if something happens in Canada, something's going to affect Canada, I expect that we would cover the Canadian story right. more than we would cover it from mm-hmm. somewhere else. I That's uh, If this was, I, I would I would be more concerned and I would I would be in full agreement if this was not going to hit the States, if this was just going to blow through the Caribbean. And they weren't covering it and at And they all. weren't going to cover it because it didn't affect this them. This would be a minor story. It would be. And it would be a lot more minor. Not justifiably, but understandably. What's the old uh, formula? It takes 10,000 people in India to die to get the same kind of coverage as 10 people dying in Canada. You know, the closer it happens to your home. Is that wrong? I I don't know if it's... No, I I suppose it's it's natural. It may even be biological. But speaking to the, uh, the earlier point, I think part of... The problem, if it's a problem, is that we're kind of hardwired early on to maybe by the entertainment or the books that we read. We're we're brought up on narrative. We're brought yes. up on narrative, and with narrative, you need that big kick. You mm-hmm. you don't want to be reading a novel and then the action just peters out. Right. You you want you want your expectation to be fulfilled. And I think that we, we look at this almost in a ghoulish way as 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 a form of entertainment. Exactly. No, exactly. Because we're removed from it. It's on the screen. It's not happening. We don't we're it's our hair is us. not being messed up by the wind. Right. It's we're watching it on T V. But Jeff, you're you, I, I think you're hundred percent right. We have seen this as a form of entertainment. Yeah. Which is understandable I suppose because of what you just said it's on the screen it's being presented almost mm-hmm. as a you know what this really reminds me of more than anything it's like the countdown to the Super Bowl right yeah we have the analysts who are breaking down right. what's going to happen right. and what plays are going to be run and what's going on here what's going on there and how the parties are going and it looks like the presentation is basically the same as the pregame show yeah for the Academy Awards then, or mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl and when the game sucks we feel cheated and disappointed right. we, we are spoiled I mean we get so we we go to our emails or our texts and if there's nothing there we feel oh yeah it's that little dopamine hit yeah yes we need an interruption we need we need our our routines to be constantly Mm. interrupted so we can get out of them and say oh now this i'm excused now from my routine because this is something big right something that's never happened but if it is a dopamine hit which Mm -hmm. i think you're right yeah yeah, that's a good point then we have been rewired probably i don't uh, I don't know if we were born this way, but certainly the way entertainment is and media mm-hmm. and everything, we have been rewired to basically demand that something happens to give us that dopamine hit. Right. Yeah. And if it happens to be a hurricane that's going to obliterate right. part of the world and affect millions of people, ah, as long as it's in. not me. I know. Yeah. As long as it's not me. And it's it usually true. isn't. It's like Keep the, the entertainment coming. Exactly. Can we please have a guy standing on the beach in 400 mile an hour winds being blown around? I right. mean, that's what. We're, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's that's the next. You know, we mm-hmm. want the we want the weatherman down there on the beach in his tight shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy requires the tight shirt. <laughs> newly newly interested in this. I don't know. That's another story. <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I mean, that guy's on TV all the time. He's never in a t-shirt. I did not realize no, that. He's always folks who work for CNN have that much free time exactly. to work out. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot of questions that went through my mind about what was going on. You know what else I thought t-shirt. about that? This is not what we're going to talk about, but you know what else I thought about? If they did not have a jacked, good-looking guy on the beach in a tight t-shirt, but they took a 
well-figured, good-looking Be careful how you say that. woman and put her in a tight t-shirt on uh, the beach in a hurricane, would that not have got a lot of people going, wait a second? Are you is... serious? It's never... Okay, I here just, we I'm go. just asking. You, no, 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 I'm just asking. Well, I, my sense is that there isn't ever really a woman on TV that generally... Like, most women on TV... Uh, put it this way, most women on TV... Okay, let me start. Most women, <laughs> generally, are better looking than men. And most women on TV just seem to be better looking than the men on TV. I don't know. That's a very crass generalization. But I'm pretty sure you could find a woman as a newscaster in a tight T-shirt on a beach sometime if you flip the channels. <laughs> I just, I, I, my, my question you definitely mo- can. Yeah. My question mostly came not because of who the women are on TV. It struck me the same way, Sandy, I think it struck you. That it's like, wait a second. Exactly. We've got a hurricane going on. And it looked like intentional cheesecake for the viewers as opposed mm. to and, th- and that that's what struck me about that thing not that he's not a good reporter not that he's he shouldn't good. be there but it was like mm, yes yeah. mm, that's 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 what we're going to have him dressed exactly. in for a hurricane okay and and i would just like to to seek some kind of uh, confess my si- confess my sin i think this is the first time i've ever objectified anyone in my life okay <laughs> so please forgive me for this it won't happen again <laughs> people have not been paying attention every time sandy's on here the way she looks at me yeah, that's, uh, but even that's why it's radio <laughs> well with the men it's a little maybe less obvious yes. and the women are plasticized but the men have this look too women love how anderson cooper looks and mm-hmm. i mean it i'm and i guess men do too he's gay but before he came out i would hear women raving about anderson mm-hmm. cooper and he's not a kind of Cary Grant or a big uh, He-Man looking type, but he's got something that's not just to do with his... Persona, it's it's something physical it's a real too, and you look at, factor and Dan, and everybody is, is on Dan TV. Lemon, all of them on TV, they all, all have a certain yeah. yeah. Well, don't forget Anderson Cooper. As we go to commercial, Anderson Cooper did not start as a CNN anchor. He started as a TV game show host, hosting the show right? called The Mole. Oh Seriously? my! That yeah, go mean, back and look on yeah. YouTube. Look for yeah. The Mole, and you'll see what Anderson Cooper got that's started so at. Well, he started out as a Vanderbilt. So well, that really helps. That, 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 <laughs> that <laughs> helps with a too. Yes. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. I did want to correct something, and since we were talking about the hurricane, we were talking last night. I had someone on last night and was chatting about hurricanes. Again, as it turns out, we were leading into this. And I said that I had been down in Florida or down in the Carolinas helping after Hurricane Andrew. Well, I just want to make sure because I don't want people thinking I'm making stuff up. I had the wrong hurricane. I was down in the Carolinas helping after Hurricane Hugo. So just, if anyone was thinking, wait a second, your timelines don't match up with when you said, (laughs) I had the wrong one. It was Hurricane Hugo. So just so you know, I'm not blowing smoke. I was there. It was just, I get the wrong one. I want to clarify. Get the hurricane straight. So were you looting, Scott? (laughs) Did I hear that right? Oh, you were helping out. That's good. Yesterday I was pointing out, and I I don't want to keep talking about hurricanes, but I was pointing out that, and I don't even know how big a hurricane Hurricane Hugo was, but we were... Walking in Carolina, there were tree trunks that were four or five feet around, and the entire tree had been uprooted. Mm-hmm. That's and you're like, astounding. This, it's astounding, the power mm-hmm. of these things. And I don't know if it was a two or a three. I mean, it wasn't like a four or a five, and yet it could do that. So you just you, you can only imagine what this one. All right, let's move to something way more pleasant okay. than hurricanes and the destruction and everything with that, because a story broke today and an email actually came out uh, or a, a tweet or a text. I don't even know what it was. I'll, I'll find the press release in a moment. But Amazon, the massive company Amazon, I think 
one of the biggest companies in the world now, up there with mm-hmm. Apple, as far as, and, and Jeff, Jeff Bezos, the guy who owns it, is maybe the richest man in the world or mm-hmm. in the top two or three. They are saying they want to open a new headquarters and distribution center mm-hmm. or something. Their main one, I think, is in Seattle. And they want to build a new one in North America. And cities, show us what you show us what you got. Pitch your city, and we will consider where we're going to build this thing. And so cities all over the place are coming forward saying, yeah, we want in. We want it. And this afternoon, Mayor Fred Eisenberger said Hamilton will be putting forward a proposal to try and lure Amazon here. Now, the positive of such a thing, I think, is pretty evident that you have a massive company setting up a $5 billion facility and hiring as many as 50,000 employees in this new place. It's an astounding, the, the, what it would do for the local economy is unbelievable. I mean, it's the, it's the inverse of a hurricane. It's the mm. positive kind of <laughs> hurricane, what it would do to a community. But that's also 50,000 new people in the city. And there could be some people who would look at this as saying that's, I don't know how that would change Hamilton and whether we would like it. Sandy, I went to Jeff first. Like, Sandy, I'll go to you. In this. How would 50,000 people hired into this city with a new business like that for better or for worse, how would that affect Hamilton? Well, isn't that what's going to happen when we get the LRT? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the Amazon station is going to be the right. end of the LRT. That's right. Well, clearly, that's you know that's about ten percent of the population, so that's a huge influx. But I think um, that you know, so maybe some of the things you're alluding to currently, I mean, would provide jobs, but there's a, a bit of a pushback. You're hearing people talking about gentrification, so that people that have lived in the north end of Hamilton or certain areas of Hamilton can either no longer afford to pay their, uh, you know, their uh, property taxes, or they can't even, you know, afford to rent in these areas because of the real estate value. So there's a bit of a, there's people have been a little bit of a uh, pushback on that. So this clearly would only intensify this, but maybe with that scale. You know the whole theory that a rising tide floats all boats? So mm-hmm. maybe this would be an instance where you could have such an influx of, of um, economic development that it might help to reduce the, the tax, the residential tax burden that people are struggling with. There may be some uh, side benefits that would actually uh, not just uh, help the people that come and get those jobs, but you know the supporting industry around it. But it's certainly... You know, if I think about Amazon, and maybe I'm being judgmental, but if you think about the type of person that might, you know, the the, the demographic or the the, uh, the the style of someone that might work at Amazon, I, I certainly think that Hamilton could fit that bill, right? Because we're kind of like iconoclastic, anti-hero kind of thing, and I think that Amazon is, is sort of a, what you know, kind of the a, Seattle. Yeah, feel. and they're mm-hmm. they're a disruptor. I mean, they came and they created a new model of doing business, so they've got that whole you know entrepreneurial disruptor m- mentality. So I think that that might might fit fit well in, into Hamilton and and I don't they just I think they just bought whole foods didn't they so they're they're really on a tear right well, Jeff I mean there would obviously be huge positives there might be some negative I mean how would you how would Amazon if they brought that kind of thing here how would it change this city well first of all we'd have a lot of time to prepare because it would take 11 or 12 years to find a location that we could all agree on for this that's for true this, I'm right. big facetious yeah. but um, <laughs> Move the stadium. <laughs> yeah, Amazon in the West Harbor. <laughs> That's right. I remember when, um, was it McCain's brought the bread uh, 
Canned bread. Operation yeah. into the area, and people were dubious. Oh no, it was uh, before that. There was a, a pig. Uh, there was they were going to bring leaf. the Burlington, the Maple Leaf Pig Factory, and people are saying that's not the kind of new right. Hamilton business we want. And then even the bread thing. And I'm not slagging anybody. Every business has its uh, logic to it and its uh, pros and cons. I don't know about magic bullets like this. Fifty thousand people. I don't know how you introduce fifty thousand people. Would, is is that what they're talking about? Literally that many people? Literally, uh, that's, all, that's the number. All at once, or what? I would like to do is find out where these uh, super factories or super warehouses, whatever they're going to be for Amazon. Uh, where where are they currently? Right. How have they affected the communities they're in now? Right. I think it would be. Uh, prudent to to check that out. Of course, uh, people would. I, I, you know, how can you how can you knock something like that? It would be great. We we need the jobs in Hamilton. We've got a real sense of momentum here. Mm-hmm. We have some real growth. We have an influx of Torontonians. We have all these new restaurants, but restaurants aren't. Uh, an industry you can totally build an economy on. It's uh, no, they're the result of the economy. Well, exactly, they are. They are, um, but then they also help attract people too. But you need something a little more solid. I'm always a little dubious about the dot coms and the these, uh, you know, iconoclastic. If 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 the, if if you can use that word for a company that that's big because uh, because I find. Once, once an operation reaches a certain size, they become part of the system. Yeah, they're I mean, just a just big a, corporation. It's inherent in it, but I'm not going to turn away 50,000 jobs. And I would imagine that uh, some of those jobs at least would be Hefty. requiring, yeah, some kind of uh, education levels or innovation um, uh, aptitude that would be good for the city. Well, here's here's because we have this still this lunch bucket uh, rust. Although it's changing, of, it is it's changing, changing. But yes, but it lingers in in some minds. Mm-hmm. And so here's what some of the things are they're asking for. This is not a complete list, but these are mm-hmm. some of the requirements of any city that wants to put in a, a it's not really a bid, a, a lobbying effort, more like it. Um, it must be a large metropolitan area, proximity to mass transit and rail, proximity to major arterial roads. So far, we've hit all those mm-hmm. things. Those proximity right to there. an international airport. Are we an international airport? We are an yes, international are. airport. Well, yes, we're okay. Pierce, oh, I guess they but need Hamilton, closer to and, we've got, and we have our own, yeah. And room for expansion. And it could There's grow, certainly room for, for sure. expansion. Also, uh, must be close to, would like to be close to the U.S. border. Wow. Uh, and the city, apparently, according to the mayor, through... I think he's still in Columbia, so through his office, we'll be t- pitching the restaurants, the culture, the education, and medical sectors mm-hmm. uh, that we have in the city. So the positive, I think, is, I mean, you don't even need to explain the positive. 50,000 either high-paying or moderate-paying jobs suddenly injected into this city would be, uh, I don't even, I don't have the word for what that would do for the economy. The tax base, mm-hmm. the spin off to the other industries all those kind of things like it would be a, an astounding really unmatchable thing i don't think is there another yeah, industry we, out there that could no, do this i don't, I don't know think that so you no. could duplicate that you're not going to get a it's steel a once, factory no. that's going to no. do that and you're not going to get a uh, hospital that's going to do that to, to no. the same level or a public institution but um, so it's a once you, in a lifetime it's really a game opportunity. changer for sure yeah what you were just saying there uh, 
if that's what they're looking for, if this were a dating site, we seem to be like the perfect candidate. I mean, we've got all of that. It's Tinder. And, uh... Well, now there. Look, all I'm sure that all the cities, and there are a number of them that are going after this. Who wouldn't go after this? You, I yeah. mean, a mayor that d- didn't go after this should be removed from office for yeah. incompetence. No, quite frankly, you have to go after right. this. But. For the last number of years, and Sandy alluded to this, we have heard over and over and over and over again people complaining in this city, and I think in a lot of ways unjustifiably, but I get their point, I just don't necessarily agree with it, about gentrification, about house prices. Mm-hmm. I We all know house prices are up. Yeah. And if something like this happens and you inject 50,000 new workers, not mm-hmm. all of them would be from Hamilton. Some would be moving here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be off the dial. It will drive house prices up. It will drive costs of living up. It will. So there's your trade-off. You, you'll need more public parks. You'll need more public gyms and arenas and all these things. There is a trade-off. If you get this, it's going to cost as well. Gentrification, I'm sorry. Um, sorry. No, you go uh, ahead. Just quickly is a tough one in a essentially free market economy with with some planning you you need almost total central planning to avoid gentrification because it's just the logic of the market i I don't know how you get around that without putting in you know a regulatory structure where people can't uh can't flip their houses or mm-hmm. that w- where there are some kind of ceilings on what they can charge, I, and and maybe but it's that's been positioned, possible. It's been positioned, but, Jeff, uh, often as evil. That's the yeah. that's the well, that's the difficult part. It's uh, for many people, or at least a fair number, gentrification equals evil. If you call it gentrification, it is evil. If all the people who are doing this are the kind of people who just want to come in, push out the existing population who are maybe underprivileged, but I don't think it's that cut and dry. It's not intentional either. No, and I'm not, and believe me, I have a lot of sympathy for that argument about gentrification, but it's, 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 it's a subtle one in terms of actually prosecuting a solution. You, you, you really have to, um, you have to carve out whole areas that can't be touched and that creates problems. Right. And it's, it's social engineering in some regard. It's that social who, engineering. Who, That's who what I was getting Who has control at. of that? There, but, but at the same time, you know, there can be some uh, considerations given oh, for people that are impacted by this. Now, the, it, it, and, and with a strategy like this to attract at Amazon, you can't, uh, you would expect that, that, that our municipal government or the economic development department, whomever has some, some you know, hands on the levers, would be aware of what they call unintended consequences and maybe be saying that, you know, we know that this is all of a sudden now we're going to have uh, doubling of our of our um, real estate values and people and also rental, right, the cost of rental. And so maybe that's when they say that the trade-off is that we're going to have a reduced residential tax base. So if you think about it, especially in the North End, some places you think about, you know, senior people that have lived there forever mm-hmm. and they their, their taxes honestly in the, in the north end sometimes they're like a thousand dollars a year fifteen hundred dollars a year and all of a sudden now they're you know five or six thousand exactly and they can't afford to even though they paid the house they can't afford to live there so they i think that there needs to be some thought given to it whether there's one person that has control over it we can't just throw it out there and just see what happens there has to be s- some um study or understanding of the impact that this would have not for, for everyone involved, you know. And, but the one thing I would also say to, in all of this, which is, you know, to further what I'm saying is that, you know, there are s- some cautionary tales about luring this big 
uh, company. It's kind of like being the you know the coal mining town, right? There's the, mm-hmm. there's the whole notion that you know Hamilton, in some regard, has just come out of um, an economic development transition where we were all about steel and, and all about manufacturing. And exactly. one industry. Yeah. And we lost I, that, and we really, it really yeah. we really did have to pull up our socks. You, and there's instances in the states, in South Carolina, I believe it is, where, you know, the different states compete to bring a car mm-hmm. plant over, so the car plant will move to South Carolina, and they throw all these incentives at them, you know, the tax cuts and, and um, you know, grants and so forth and to lure them. you'd have to them. do that. You'd have to do that in this case. But then case. you know what they do? Then they get a better offer. It's back to Tinder. It's back to the online dating. All of a sudden, That's guess what? True. BC ups the ante, and they say, "See ya. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks very much for buying me dinner." <laughs> but Jeff, you would have to do that in this case, right? I mean, if you've got so many cities bidding on this, you're going to have to sweeten the pot for them somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a balance there, and we have to look at uh, what Amazon's record is. How have they been as an employer, as a, a citizen within mm-hmm. the communities they're in? But it's an attractive offer. You can't turn it down. As you said, Scott, you owe it to your constituents as a politician, as uh, an economic planner for the city, uh, to consider these uh, and to try to attract uh, industries and and corporations or institutions that are going to improve right. the life and, and the, uh, the labor market of your city. But, you know, you can't be reckless about it because look at U.S. Steel. I mean, look at the, yeah. we've lent U.S. Steel mm-hmm. how much money and mm-hmm. look at, you know, they took our money and then look at the pensioners. Look at the, US, you know, pensioners. Mm-hmm. There's something like 20,000 pensioners in our little city that well, are looking at having really constrained income because of that. There's one other thing that goes into this that I think is an interesting conundrum, and that is we have spent, the the city of Hamilton has spent an awful lot of time trying to build up the downtown. Most of the development, and we just had a discussion at city council this week about the, uh, should all of our downtown, all of our development money be going downtown? They want to build an 8 million square foot facility that I can think of. There is no place downtown Mm -hmm. that would house that. This would have to be in the outskirts, Ancaster, Flamborough, somewhere, which would probably mean that people want to build or live near work, many of them, which would mean more building in the suburbs, which kind of flies in the face of what everything Hamilton has been trying to do for the last little while. And our billion-dollar investment in LRT, right, which was about mm-hmm. intensification in the Time to change core. the route again. It's coming <laughs> exactly. up the mountain. A spur line, another <laughs> spur line. <laughs> up the mountain. Well, hey, if you've got a five, 50,000 people and you're bringing in billions of dollars, yeah, you might. may want to consider right. a spur line that would take Maybe people Maybe they could get the there. buses to run regularly well, up the mountain. Well, maybe all those lands they bought up to do the uh, stadium in the West Harbor could be exactly. devoted to some kind of uh, Amazon operation. Some I don't know if that would be big Something enough. would be good. Yeah. Better than so, the, the, well, considering the they're now using drones to deliver stuff. I was going to say, are we going to over the water? It would be awesome. Exactly. Just like bugs flying out or over the West Harbor. Maybe we get small <laughs> hovercraft <laughs> between here I, and Toronto. I don't, I, I hate to be a pessimist. I When you look at all the cities that are bidding on this, I I, I yeah. don't necessarily think that Hamilton is going to land this, but mm. man, if it did, if it somehow managed to pull this thing together, mm-hmm. he, who used the phrase game changer? This is this is absolutely, Sandy, uh, this is <laughs> yes. absolutely, this would be the biggest game changer we've seen in our lifetime. Yes. For mm-hmm. better or for worse, and, and I think it's both. It could be both. I, it could simultaneously be both, but man, this would change Hamilton for sure. If they start would. doing some more online shopping. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, are they definitely insisting that this be in Canada? 
No, 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 so no. It's, it's, so it's competing North with America. continentally. Okay. Con- we're, we're competing with the continent. And the one thing that we do have, well, we listed those things. We are close to the U.S. border. We're central. Yeah. We've got, it's mm-hmm. all here. The only question in my mind is going, well, there's two questions. One is how sweet can we make the pot? That's going to be the first mm-hmm. one because they're not going to just go because, hey, Hamilton looks like it could use a boost. They're doing <laughs> yeah. what they, is going to be best for them. And the second thing is, what, are they going to come here and say, all of our employees are going to be delightfully more happy here than in X, Y, or Z that is a bigger, more cosmopolitan city? And that that's not something we can fix and as you, And as you said earlier, Scott, we have... Right here in Hamilton, the best writer in the Milky Way. So I <laughs> could make Jeff Bezos look right. really good. Get on or that, Jeff. Maybe yeah. the two of us could do something together. Get on, yeah, we'll get on that. We'll write his promo for him and uh, <laughs> yeah. see if we can lure him in. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. By the way, just got an email uh, that the perfect spot, by the way, we were talking about where could Amazon set up an 8 million square foot facility. We have apparently 2,500 acres of available industrial land right up by our airport, which would seem to be rather perfect for a company that is trying to deliver something. There's the pitch you make. Here's our land. You can have it. Just come here. Well, here's 2,500 acres that we will give to you. Mwah! Take it, build, stay here. There's there's your selling point right off the bat. We'll see if, um, as Jeff said, you know, Jeff was joking a moment ago, Jeff Mahoney, saying we have it, we'll argue over where it'll go. That is actually my fear, that we will have counselors saying, wait, no, it's got to be in my ward. Oh, no, no, it has to be in my ward. It doesn't matter whose ward it's in. If you could get 50,000 jobs and a $5 billion Amazon delivery plant here, I don't care if it goes in nobody's world. I don't care where it goes. You get it. Anyway, that's another discussion for another day. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. There was uh, an announcement today from the government of Ontario. All announcements happen on Friday, don't they? When you're Mm. in the government, they wait and they blast it on you. So you only have one day really for most people to chew on this. And then by Monday, everyone's forgotten. And And they're all off at their cottages when you try to reach them. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. But the announcement today is about what we're going to do in this province once Justin Trudeau and his liberals put the final stamp on legalizing marijuana. And it's a long, drawn-out announcement, but the long and short of it is Ontario is going to have 150 pot outlets basically run by the government so, they say, now you got to, this may be a little rich. The government will run these so we can really closely monitor and keep pot out of young people's hands. You have your cynical voice on. <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that the government keeps its talons on anything that will make it money. Graham Mackay in The Spectator tomorrow has an editorial cartoon. It's already online. Reminding us that the government runs gambling. The government runs, for the most part, at least with heavy, heavy, heavy taxes, cigarettes. The government has a monopoly on booze with the LCBO and even the ones that are now, for the most part, in the grocery stores. Do you believe, who of you is trusting enough to believe that the government has actually put this plan in place to protect our children and not to make sure that it is the sole beneficiary of a generous new revenue stream into their coffers? Anybody? Anybody that trusting? Nope. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you are very cynical, and I would say justifiably so. 
Um, I think I'll be the devil's advocate. There is, I think, some argument to be made for some kind of public oversight or control over substances and practices that can be incredibly dangerous. And I don't mind the alcohol model. I mean, I know in the States they have, I think it's it's just you you sell alcohol at corner stores. There's no central control over it. Oh, Uh, yeah, there's lots of stores with, like, liquor and guns. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that's the model. one-stop shopping. I suppose it's paternalistic. Now, are they doing that to regulate our use so that we don't kill ourselves or are they doing it because it does make a whack of money for them and cigarettes and in your is heart a good of hearts example. which one do you believe yeah uh, i think once they're in there once they get once the wheels get rolling on the day-to-day operation of government of course it's it's the money it's it's, it's a revenue stream um but at the same time if you can take these things off the street and at least guarantee that there's some standard quality to the product and your drugs aren't being laced with fentanyl or whatever, uh, I suppose there's an advantage to that. But do either of you, let me ask you again, do either of you believe what Jeff just said will happen? Do either of you believe that when the government opens up its own pot dispensaries, they're not calling them dispensaries because they're getting rid of the private dispensaries, Mm -hmm. but when they open up their own pot shops and charge what I'm sure will be a much, much, much higher fee for pot than you would get from your dime bag dealer at the street corner. Does anybody believe that this is going to actually get rid of the black market? I think the black market will boom I in this economy. So, so isn't really? that the irony that I heard the, uh, uh, Minister Souza on talking about this, looking at the price point? And basically, they're in competition with, really, with... Uh, with the low-grade street dealer. Yeah, and, and with organized crime, really, is who they're in competition with. So they, they want to price their product just right so that people, it's not too expensive, that they will, you know, start that black market back up. And and then the other part is also that they, they want to make enough money on this thing. And so, I, I, you know, this is a big topic. There's many pieces to this. But my particular piece of cynicism tonight that I'll share with you is this liberal win government. I do not trust at this point anything that they're rolling out. Like they just, every time you turn around, there's another uh, half-baked announcement about Mm. anything that anybody wants. Do you want $15 an hour? You're getting it. You want pot? You're getting it. So there just seems to be this desperation because their numbers are just in the basement that that they will announce anything. And so I feel like this plan uh, is not... Uh, completely ready for prime time, but they just want to get it out well, there. Well, we are very much ahead of the federal government. We don't mm-hmm. have to have a plan for quite right. some time. The liberal government from Kathleen Wynne has come out very early. Again, if you want to be cynical, you can say, well, it's just part of, this, as Sandy says, a stream of announcements leading into an election to try and prime the electoral pump. It, exactly. And then mm-hmm. there's the other whole uh, piece of this, which is this liberal government's pension for privatizing all of our public assets. So, you know, the pro- apparently the private sector is more efficient in running our, uh, you know, our toll roads and our hydro system, which is pretty mm-hmm. critical to, you know, our health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Apparently the private sector is more efficient at that. So really, why can you not have the private sector be continue to uh, distribute, um, you know, the, this legalized marijuana with a set of framework and legislation, just as, as pharmacists do? Uh, you know, they're, they're, you, it can happen if they really truly believed See, in that's something next. other than. Uh, that's I truly do believe. 
we're not going to get onto yeah. pharmacy. I truly do believe if the government could find a way to absorb pharmacy stuff, they would say we have to have government That's, pharmacists right. as well. Mm-hmm. It would be impossible to do that now with all the stores. But, Jeff, back to the point, because this is, and you know what, it's, there are two different ways of looking at this. The concern is that younger people especially, because the studies are now showing if you're under 25, marijuana, at least the modern marijuana, not the stuff people had at Woodstock that was barely apparently anything, the new potent stuff, affects your brain. Really, still, while you're developing, it really affects. So we want to keep the pot out of underage people's hands and as much as possible. But... To do that, by le- by putting it in the government's hands, the taxes and everything else will make this more expensive than you would be able to get from your dealer. And so if I'm an 18 or a 19-year-old who wants pot, and it's going to be a difficult thing to get it at the m- public store, and it's going to cost more, I'm going to my dealer. So you're actually chasing, in my mind, you're chasing the very people you don't want using it to the people you don't want getting it from. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's... I I'd look at alcohol again. I right. don't know if there's a black market in alcohol. I don't think there is. I mean, I don't know there if there is any prohibition. No, I so. so I would hope that if if they do this, uh, it would drive out the black market or make it very tiny. Uh, by the same token, they sell liquor in a fairly unregulated, un uh, controlled by the government kind of way in the states, and I don't know that they have any substantially appreciably worse problem there than we do here uh i'm not, i don't know how they're going to price the marijuana but how much more expensive will it be than uh what they're getting from a dealer and how do, is it hard for young people to find dealers i mean i don't know like where where hmm. I, I, I sandy where do you go i don't yeah. <laughs> i don't have a dealer and That's to be honest if, <laughs> if i developed a, a strong appetite for marijuana i don't think i'd want to deal with a dealer i just have I, I suppose it's unfair but i have a stereotype of what a drug dealer even a marijuana dealer mm-hmm. does but uh yeah it's uh it's a good they, question they look like that tough kid on the simpsons I I'm I am cynical on this one. I am cynical because I do believe this is simply I, I I have a hard time coming to believe that this is a government looking out for the betterment of its citizens and I see it entirely as a way that we can squeeze the most tax dollars out of people. I could be wrong. When she goes home at night and lies down in bed, Kathleen Wynne could be anti Kathleen who really does care for us <laughs> deeply and this is her thought behind this. I don't I'm not there. I, I don't buy that. And to me, this is just about making as much money as I possible. I won't argue with you on the record of this government. I mean, it's appalling. And they've not been able to instill any faith that, that, that they are acting in good faith. So I, I, you've, got, you've got a point there. But in principle, can uh, the marijuana traffic be best handled by a government-run operation the way the yes. control board does, I think I, th- I think it's conceivable. I, what I, about the concept of doing it like cigarettes, though? Because cigarettes are heavily, heavily taxed, right. heavily regulated. The rules on them are enormous, but you can buy them at a drive at a, at a sure. gas station or Crazy. a drugstore yeah. or whatever else. They, they, yeah. that's, a, that's another government cash grab, mm. but yeah. it's done differently. What about that kind of method? Well, that's a sin. That we we're just talking about sin taxes. They're, yes. they're yeah. all sin taxes. And I suppose, though, I mean, I agree with you absolutely, Jeff. That in principle, a government-run distribution system makes sense. 
I find again with this government, you know, there's that it's about the fail. It's about executing this plan. Are they the? Is this the crew that you want in charge of this based on their track record? And you know, there's that that whole uh, notion that eventually what you have really with with people that let you down like this government it gets a lack of confidence it's a lack of confidence mm -hmm. but eventually that lack of confidence flips into a lack of trust and i think right. that's where we are with this government mm -hmm. and when when we're trusting them with something that's that is this big and has this potential to impact society young people uh, we haven't even touched on impaired driving when you're yeah, when, you, you're, when you're using marijuana i didn't right? see anything in the Announcement today I don't about think that. We even talked about that, which is the it could beginning. be, but I didn't see it. I and, didn't either. And that's a that is a it's a great point because big that's a big hole. I, I don't heard. Want uh, I think it was the minister being interviewed on the radio, and basically he said, "Oh, we're very concerned about that," but they had no answer to that right. issue. What's going to happen when people smoke and drive? And, and and is it okay? This is my most cynicalist is that the word? <laughs> yeah. Is this anything to do with distracting the news cycle from the fact that they are facing bribery charges in Sudbury, that there's a criminal case going on in Sudbury, and all of a sudden now we're not talking about that, that like Kathleen Wynne is testifying at a bribery charge, and we're not talking yeah. about that, we're talking about marijuana. Jeff, can you round up that much cynicism? <laughs> That's pretty cynical. But, I mean... <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time a government had done the wag the dog thing. No, this right. is the modus operandi now. For any government be, of uh, any stripe, that, I mean, I don't... Uh, um, I don't know if I can get there. I don't know if they planned this. Maybe they did. You Maybe can get they did. There. I know you, Scott. You it would take some there. work. <laughs> Scott, we see it all the time. And we've talked about this, and we won't mention any examples of how people are spinning things hoping that the attention span is so short and we're on this 24-hour cycle and that in a day or two it'll be forgotten. And so, it works. And, and distract them from it for a while, wait till that cycle plays itself out, and oh, oh, wow, we forgot about that. Well, see, you two it, are the professionals. And but it works. It works. It, it, I'm telling you, we have a society now, and we're all part of it. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not sitting high in judgment. We all do it. We are in a society now that has the capacity to have – be thinking about something, paying attention to something, be outraged about something for maybe if we're really mad, 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, come on, can we please get on to something else? Is there not another hurricane we can pay? Right. This hurricane's boring me now. Right. Is there another hurricane? Is there something else going on? Is there a fire somewhere? Give me something else. I've, and that's what we do. And so if this is, if you're right, and this announcement was moved up today just to make sure that attention was drawn away from a bribery trial... Well, uh, good for them for playing the game, I guess. I guess, and shame on us for not having the capacity to see through that. Recognize it. To well, or to handle two things at once if we're that dim-witted and simple now. But I don't know, Sandy. I'm, I'm. Your your cynicism exceeds even mine today, tonight and it that's does. Not tonight. Not always, yeah. <laughs> I, that, this rarely happens that someone can eclipse my level of cynicism. <laughs> I I may have to take a break here just to regroup after that one. Well, I think. Maybe there's an opportunity here in um, getting into the munchies. I, I think whoever's in control, I mean, somebody's yeah. going to make a lot of money. On How did the government not chips? announce that they were also setting up next door to every pot dispensary <laughs> a munchie, a, a Cheetos and thing. Doritos dispensary? Jeff, you're a business genius and you didn't oh, know it. I, I just come up with these ideas. <laughs> I just, but they're only open from midnight till 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. And we're not going to talk specifically about the man at the center of this one because I know Jeff has very strong opinions and that's fine. Uh, the, the per- well, the person at the center of this is sort of orange with, uh, with <laughs> candy floss hair. But this is the question... This came up this week, and I thought it was very interesting. And you probably heard the story about two or two and a half, three weeks ago. There was a commentator on CNN. He was a conservative commentator who had done the elections and everything else and got into a Twitter war with Jeffrey somebody. Lord. Jeffrey Lord. Got into a Twitter war where someone called him a Nazi. And in a, cl- I think, and I think a lot of people think, a clearly sarcastic tone when the person called him a Nazi, he said, well, Sieg Heil. And it was... I think that any reasonable person looking at this would say he wasn't really saluting Hitler. He was being, yeah, okay, if you're going to call me that, well, then whatever. And he got fired almost instantly. Last night on Stephen Colbert's show, Stephen Colbert, taking basically a similar tact, does the Nazi salute. And apparently, I don't know if he said Sieg Heil or just did the Nazi salute in the same very sarcastic way. So there's two things I want to go on this. But first of all, why do we have different standards for different people for the same kind of thing? It seems as though if you are the right person, you're allowed to do this. If you're the wrong person, you're not allowed to do that. That's the first thing. But the second thing, and either one of you can take that. And the second one I'll throw out as well is what is our endless fascination slash inability to get beyond calling someone a Nazi that we disagree with? It, it, there's that thing. What's the what's the rule they call it online? There's a law or something that within six mentions of something, six insults on a message board or something, someone will be referred to as a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have no nothing else. We always must call someone a Nazi if we disagree with them. What is with that? It's the universally agreed upon standard of horribleness, nastiness, and atrocity. And I do agree that it's a cheap and easy fallback if you've got nothing else to um, compare somebody to. It's just, it shows a lack of imagination unless it's actually justified. And But, I mean, to really justify it, you'd have to be kind of... Well, when the uh, having a secret police out with jackboots and uh, and so on, but um, I think the difference, so Scott, with the uh, Zig Heil for Jeffrey Lord and Zig Heil or whatever it was for Stephen Colbert is that with Colbert, you know uh, where he's coming from. People who follow him or people who follow the whole the whole media scape around that know that he's not. Um, associated with or affiliated with that kind of politic, whereas Jeffrey Lord, mm-hmm. with his uh, apologist status for Donald Trump, uh, who's, you know, uh, wading through all this white supremacist stuff, it, it sort of rings a little too close to home for him. I, I think clearly, I, I do agree that he was trying to be flip or humorous. But I also have seen Jeffrey Lord, and I think it was just a matter of time. I think CNN was looking for an excuse uh, to fire he, him. He's he a guy. Right he's a guy mind. who's just. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. He's Tiresome. just really can be obnoxious in his in his smugness and his and and I know there are many people who are equally smug and obnoxious, but he just. I think I think it was an excuse to get rid of him, and he sort of 
fell into it a little bit. I mean, I, he had a defense, but um, I don't think they were listening. No, I agree. You took the words out of my mouth. That's what I thought. They just were looking for any excuse to get rid yeah. of him. I think that, I actually think, I mean, CNN, the people that watch CNN, there's there's certain commentators that pe- literally people would turn off CNN. They just don't yeah. want to see them. So he was one of them. I think there's another one named Kaylee McNaney or something. She was just one of those ones where they were such, um, such hypocritical defenders of Trump's you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to call people liars, but they were just so blatantly yeah, propagandists. Uh, yeah, I mean, so really so people just didn't didn't you know just had enough of them. So they were looking for an excuse to fire him. Also, you you know, if you buy it or not, but the whole idea is that this is the 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 forum which uh, which uh, Jeffrey Lord at CNN is meant to be journalism. So the standard is maybe a little bit higher. Stephen Colbert's late night talk show comedy. So there's there's a little bit less of a proof of burden of proof in terms of whether you were joking or not because of the form yeah. in which they were doing it. And I think Stephen Colbert basically plays a character as well. I mean, it's 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 not just him, right? He's actually paying, yeah. playing kind of a character. It's right? also a bit of a professional wrestling show uh, mentality on all of these things. They get people on who clearly are meant to be uh, tokens of the opposite extreme to what they believe in. And if CNN has positioned itself as anti-Trump and a little more liberal, mm-hmm. let's say, they need a guy like Jeffrey Lord, somebody to play the bad guy, you know, as a regular that people can love to hate or well, whatever. He's like in hockey, and, he's but like they're always pests, right? But there's always going to be that wrestler who goes too far. And exactly, he goes too far. But you know what? I'll say there are certain, and and maybe with Jeffrey Lord, it was just me. But there are people on the other side, like I, that James Carville guy who was always going. Right. I, to me, there, there there was an attitude he had, something that just I, it was unwatchable for me. Now, right. I don't think he ever got fired. Maybe other people don't agree. But, I mean, you reach a point where there's a threshold. So, but it's it's you're, you're right. It's hard to put your finger on it. It's hard to make an exact equivalence or, or kind of a mathematical formula where this is right for one. See, I would like another. a law to be put in place. And I don't like <laughs> government intervention, but I'm okay with this law, that when you invoke the Nazi insult, whatever you're doing, you're done. We're not going to arrest you. We're not going to put you in jail. But if you are on TV and you invoke the Nazi thing to someone... Someone will come in and push you off the set. If you're, th- this to me is the most, not only as you say, the laziest, but I've argued this many times, Jeff, that every time someone throws out the Nazi reference and it's not actually about a Nazi, right? It if we're do- talking about the neo-Nazis that marching down in right, wherever, yeah. that's, okay, that's, that's fine. That's a yeah. legitimate yeah. use of Nazi, but you diminish yeah. you what do. happened to the people in the, exactly. in World War II. You do diminish it. You yes. diminish it when, look, I disagree with Sandy because she said something that I said. So you're a Nazi. Right. No, you're not a Nazi. You're not mm. close to a Nazi. You, right. But we do that. We, we have so many people that this is the only thing they can throw out there and it becomes a, just a recoil defense. And I'm sorry, I like... I, I I understand what you're saying about Lord and Lord and uh, Colbert. Stephen Colbert to me, when you're throwing out the Nazi thing, whether you th- hate Donald Trump with a passion, he is not a Nazi. He may be a bad guy. He may be a bad president. He is not a Nazi. He's not. Well, you're rolling your eyes now, but <laughs> but the fact is, he, the, 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 we're on a different level here. And I just I look at this and I go, can we not? agree somehow can we as a society not come to the point where we don't throw around nazi just because it's the only thing we can think of mm-hmm. it's it's tiresome and frankly it's insulting i think in almost every case to me i i agree with trump 
you have to be careful. I think it's legitimate to look at the patterns in his administration and the way he's carrying on and compare it to uh, the kind of gradual things that can happen when a when a regime is about to become a little more autocratic than anybody's comfortable with. But I agree with you that it doesn't do it's still a long way any from benefit he is to the Nazis because when you look at the, the history of the Nazi party and and the way um, Hitler had some of his uh, who was who was the guy who ran the SS and they bumped him off uh, not Himmler the guy before him, Ra, uh, Rom uh, not uh, Rommel it, it was not Rommel it was Rome or something, Romer or something and uh, so they were doing that I'm not sure Trump is at the point where he's having people killed, like, but, you know... Sorry, you're not sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh-huh. you know, well, the rumor was that he's not as bad as Hillary. Hillary is clearly having people killed. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that was the conspiracy right. Right. Uh, theory. I know somebody who went down to visit... Killing them um, with their emails. Yeah, and it's a, it's, it's a bizarre world. I don't think it's really terribly helpful to draw it's, the Nazi comparison exactly. unless there are clear... Um, instances of, of of parallel and 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 if you can argue it that that's that's then you sh- you shouldn't just throw at the Nazi uh, epithet you should back it up with evidence or, that they're actually doing that or they're, break yeah, it down yeah, because break it down, we're yeah. saying the same yeah. thing it's not helpful yeah. and so if we were to break down what we yeah. mean by Nazi do we mean racism I think there's yeah. maybe racism is mm-hmm. thrown in there intolerance yeah. uh, we're talking about autocrat or yeah. we're talking about fascist kind of regimes military state I mean there's many many things that the Nazis is standing in for it's not just you know, it's not just the Third Reich we're talking about. It's a stand-in for a kind of um, set of values and, and political practices that we call that that fall into that term. So by not, but by lumping it into Nazi, it's easy to dismiss, as you've all also said. It's just you can just dismiss it, and it doesn't, and it's easy for tr- Trump to dismiss it because it's so overblown. So he goes, "What do they call me, Nazi? I'm not a Nazi. I'm the president of the United States." But if you actually say, "Well, you might be a racist," and then that would be harder for him to actually right. defend. So right. I, 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 we got to go to a break. I, I go back though more than anything. I go back to the point that I just for the people who actually lived through that, and there are still yes. many of them who are still alive. It is so insulting to compare yeah. a guy who sends out a tweet that is in jest. Mm maybe misguided but it's in jest right. with what they lived through in the camps and what they saw and everything else it's not it when you think through the think through your words this is the one word you cannot use the other n word in our society and rightly well, so and rightly mm-hmm. so bill Mar- who bill uh bill mark got bill away Mar- with yeah. saying that one and yeah. it's like wait if that had been jeffrey lord they would have actually put a hook around his neck and pulled him right off the set they wouldn't have waited for the end of the show yeah. but the fact is you can't use the other n word and that's good this should be the second n word that unless it's actually about the nazis you don't use it because it's completely misguided. So, and I, I agree with you almost, with the exception that given the climate in the states and that there are Nazis, neo-Nazis that fall under all those things, they're racist, That's they're intolerant, true. they're violent, yeah. that, that, that eliminating that word in some way should have been a, an early warning sign. So when you Not use eliminate it the say, word. Not no. eliminate the word. Eliminate the word where if it's, if it's talking about exactly. people who are neo-Nazis... Right. 
So it's, fine, right? That's what they are. That's what. That's how you describe them. But mm. I'm just saying as a flip, fallback, insulting. Hey, you're. You know, I disagree with you. So you're. And then a it's Nazi. the argument. You're a Nazi. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. So that's the level of dialogue we're gonna, yeah. going to have around a very serious, critical issue. Um, with, with Trump, I think it gets confused with the, the because the alt right and then, and then. But you know, I, I do agree. Like it's it's thrown around way too much. Uh, we got to go to a break. Uh, just a quick update in case you're uh, uh, not near any other uh, media, and I'm glad you're not. I'm glad you're listening. But apparently they've just put a report here saying that uh, there is nowhere in the Florida Keys that is not going to be uh, heavily, heavily damaged, and no place is in the Keys no is safe. So Jeez. this is a uh, very, very scary thing. But um. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Something uh, far less... Um, heavy than Nazism and marijuana <laughs> dispensaries, I hope. Uh, a British Columbia member of provincial parliament wants to create a Canadian Mount Rushmore. <laughs> oh wants to come boy. up with an idea that we can put the best of Canada. Now, first of all, I find it interesting. This seems like the 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 oddest time to be proposing a statue Things since right. every statue in the world we seem to be wanting to tear down right. no matter who yeah. it is. So it's it's a little cumbersome. But assu- ass- leaving that part aside, forgetting what people might think of our heroes in 100 years, because, mm. I mean, someday down the road they're going to, you know, be the, bums. 100 years from now someone's going to be complaining that we have a statue of Terry Fox for some reason. I mean, <laughs> who knows why. But who should be on a Canadian Mount Rushmore? Who would be the faces that should be... Carved into a giant rock wall. We'll say there's four, just like in the states. Who would be the four? Sandy Shaw. Sa- <laughs> Sandy. Sandy concurs. She's yeah. she's cast her vote in favor. No, honestly, who would be? Oh boy. Who would be some of the people who? Should, I, I just mentioned one, and I think it is a no-brainer. I think Terry Fox yeah. would be the first person that most people would say, "Let's I put him think up there." You need a native Canadian. Yeah, Louis Riel. I'm not sure why. Is that? Maybe almost a backhanded. Uh, See now, are you saying there is event? one that deserves to be up there, or you just oh. know that for political reasons we need to well, offer one up? Louis Riel could be. Yeah. Maybe Louis Riel, although some people would maybe still consider him somehow criminal or radical. I I I, I don't agree, but um, I mean he. Joseph Brandt. Uh, Joseph. Well, then we've just had stuff about Joseph Brandt That's that he true. had a slave, and uh, so. <laughs> but yeah, he would be a natural candidate. Or um, can we well, do animals instead? You know what? I'm <laughs> writing a column that'll appear Monday or Tuesday about um, statues and uh, these iconic monuments. And I didn't know we happened to be at the Isaac Brock monument, which is enormous. You can't even it's see the statue because it's it? so yeah. high. But it is spectacular, and it's a beautiful park around it. And I didn't know that this is the second Brock Monument. The first one was blown up in 1840. So they cared about statues back then. People ISIS were was very, here? <laughs> I didn't know that. No, it was one of those um, Mackenzie Rebellion people. They were very anti-British or, or, or some one of the, the 1837 oh. Rebellion. Uh, yes, I didn't know that either. So the Tecumseh could be on the thing because Tecumseh maybe Tecumseh. Or, okay, so uh, leaving what, what, okay, okay, so leaving aside all political Bobby correct Orr. implications, and and you know no one's going to call. Well, they might, but we're not going to accept calls of people saying, "Well, you didn't put a this." Uh, just who would be the obvious ones? Who would be the most obvious Canadian people that should be up on a Canadian Mount Rushmore? I've said Terry Fox to start with. I, I think Tommy Douglas. I mean, Tommy the, Douglas, you know, founder mm. of Canada's. 
the only thing that we can all agree on is our national health care, essentially. Right? Haley Wickenheiser. Oh, I'd let go for <laughs> Haley. Well, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky would, would be one that I think probably is, when you're talking about hockey, I think is mm. probably Wayne Gretzky would be one that I think would maybe be. Maybe Bobby Orr, Gordy Howe, because Wayne went off to L.A. Yeah. Well, so he was sort of sent American. to L.A. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you know, that it's, it's true, though, because you could probably have, depending on where you are in the country, you yeah, could say it should you, be Rocket Richard, it should be Jean right, Beliveau, right. it should be... But uh, it's not worth Mary it. Mary It's not worth the trouble, I don't think, trying to... No. I think we should have either animals. Like I think a animals. Thing, a, a giant oh, favorite beaver. pets. <laughs> exactly. Somebody's favorite pet or ideas. There's a lot of those. <laughs> How what, was the, what was the Canadian show with the, uh, with the, with the dog? Oh. Uh, uh, Canadian show? Oh, Littlest Hobo. Littlest Hobo. Oh, Littlest Hobo. I can... Hum the theme yeah, song if no, you that like. That would be good. Wait a second. I, I'm just starting to think. How sad are we if we're <laughs> if we come up with a Mount Rushmore? We decide we need a beaver head. We need littlest hobo, <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle maybe because <laughs> exactly. I think they were Canadian. That's right. What I think we should do is have monuments and statues and um, Mount Rushmore to the uh, some ideas that we can agree on: fairness, courage. Well, I don't know how you represent you. those, yeah, but right. uh, yeah, because you'd but have it, a big fight over the courage and the fairness who <laughs> represents it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it really would be hard to find people whom we could all agree on. There's well, nobody. we're not we're not going to all agree on it. That, but, that, that we would could have some it. consensus. But, Jeff, uh, that would limit it. I'm thinking that would limit it to that I can think of one person. And that's Terry, Terry Fox. Fox. Like, no one hates Terry Fox. I think you're right. No, you're correct. Yeah. But you couldn't put Trudeau up there because nope. people hate Trudeau and people love Trudeau. too, I think. The Dion Quintuplets. I'm sure that if it, if T2 had anything to do with it, he'd be the face that we put up there. He'd be the chest. Look at me. <laughs> the hair and the Trudeau chest. Too. Oh, oh, Trudeau too. Yeah, Trudeau too. <laughs> um, no, I, th- that is that is either uh, um, sad or it's a comment on our current state or whatever, but that we came up, that right now, maybe something else yeah, will pop Terry up. Fox, There's one that person that we can agree upon. And again, I think I don't think anyone would make a fuss if it was Wayne Gretzky or Bobby Orr. I don't think anyone's going to m- make a huge stink about it. I don't think they're disliked. It would be, just be a question of which one it, is it. But isn't that so? Let's just make this a positive that that is so Canadian of us because we don't really, really buy into that whole cult of personality. We're not yeah, as much into do. celebrities and that one big star, and we don't mm. elect. Uh, you know, we don't elect, you know, what do you call it, reality TV stars to be our national leaders. There's something well, about us that, you know, we... Sort of. Justin Trudeau sort of was. So he was a media star. <laughs> a while back. Exactly. It's like he had this wind blowing through his hair everywhere. I think they... Maybe Alex Trebek? I don't know. Exactly. He went over to the exactly. other side, too. It does still say something about us as well, though, that we, I think, m- m- let more than the states political correct ramifications factor into everything we we would get we would tie ourselves in knots if we tried to do this because mm-hmm. we would have to rightly or wrongly we would have to have w- one of this background one yes. of this one of this yes could, and if we had two people that. that were this well we got to get rid of one for this and we got to yeah. and it, it, suddenly it doesn't become any more like the mount rushmore whether you agree, but in it, on its idea, it's here are our four greatest presidents, mm-hmm. period. We're not going to get into any of the parsing it. It's just here are our four greatest presidents. Mm-hmm. We could never do that, I don't think. I don't think we would stand to just to come up with four because we would always be questioning whether... Well, yeah. boy, 
it's really it hard. It's like now. a lot of work to it's carve a, well, it into a stone. Yeah, <laughs> that's a. You I know? want to see what's behind Mount Rushmore. Exactly. You want to spend that kind of money? I yeah, think, I don't know how you do that. Like, look at the struggle we had to figure out who would be the first a female woman on our Canadian banknote. Right? It was, was Viola, it? Viola Desmond is the first Canadian. Yes. And so there's something also to the money thing because you can get a lot of you know a lot of you can cover a lot of ground with different faces. But she's on it, but she's not sole face. She's there with a group of other men. I'm not sure who. And they I didn't are, know, you know they were doing this. Because I argued a long time ago with the money thing that what we should have is why do we have to only have one face on a 10? Why could you not have a collection of $10 bills mm-hmm. where you have her face on one? Right. And I've got her, I've got the Viola Desmond one. Now I can oh, get I the like that. John A. That's McDonald a 10. I got get, it. Got but it. They put, need it. <laughs> I got a new 10 the other day and they have four faces. They have John one A. Viola McDonald. Desmond. They have Viola Desmond. And there's two other people. I can't remember who yeah. they are. So they put four faces on it now instead of... I, I like the collection idea. Let me go out and get one of each. You know what they should put on money? Those warning illustrations, like a diseased <laughs> lung. Like what money can do to you because it can really screw up your life. They should do something like that, like a car crash of a Lamborghini. You know, that I would don't be know. yeah on the thousand dollar bill. That's <laughs> yeah. what right. that's what it is. Mine would have a hog and dust thing on it. <laughs> I think maybe a big beaver in a mountain. Like, yes. I, I don't know. Chewing Liquor. away at something. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.